Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates for all your insurance needs, the Phoenix Tube Company, the law firm of Declator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and General Needs Charity, serving our homeless veterans with dignity. And now, here are your hosts, Mark and A.J. Joining us now is a man who played 16 seasons in the major leagues. He was a member of the Baltimore Orioles, Chicago Cubs, Texas Rangers, Cincinnati Reds, New York Yankees, San Diego Padres, Washington Nationals, Milwaukee Brewers, and Los Angeles Dodgers. He played every position except pitcher and catcher during his baseball career. He is a grandson of former major leaguer Sam Harrison, the son of former major leaguer Jerry Harrison Sr., and the brother of Scott Harrison. He helped the Yankees win the 2009 World Series, beating the Philadelphia Phillies, giving him his only World Series title. After his playing days, he became a fixture as part of the Dodgers pre- and post-game broadcasting crew on Sportsnet LA. It is a pleasure to welcome Jerry Harrison Jr. to Sports Talk New York. Welcome, Jerry. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate that introduction, man. I was getting tired when you started uh, rattling off all those teams. <laughs> it's our pleasure, actually, to have you. And, and we love taking deep dives into players' careers that we've had on our show. We usually start with high school. But aside from being the son and grandson of a former major leaguers, you point to a game as a 12-year-old in Naperville Little League where you were struck out twice in a game by Matt Scar. Why did those strikeouts motivate you more than some of the home runs or great fielding plays you made in Little League? Well, I think, uh, you know, it's amazing. When I was younger, uh, I always thought, well, maybe it applies to me now, I always thought I was a better player than I actually was. Uh, And Matt Scar was a guy that was my age, and he was just better than me, flat out. And I ran into somebody who was a better player than I was, and what it made me realize, even at that age, hey, I need to get better. I need to improve my game, even at 12 years old. So it was cool to have that experience. Uh, and I had that experience, too, in pro ball. When I was in pro ball, I ran into a guy in eight ball by the name of Carlos Beltran. He was my age, and he was better than, than I was. And he could run like a deer, incredible center fielder, hit both sides of the plate. And I said, man, this guy is better than me. And uh, that made me strive to be better. So you always need that extra guy to kind of push you a little bit. So my normal co-host, A.J. Carter, who's not here right now, and I wrote a book about fathers and sons in baseball two years ago. We had the opportunity to talk, about, to, talk to about 30 father-son combinations that played in the majors, as well as the Bells, Boons, and Schofields. David Bell and Brett Boone said it was their grandfather who instilled the love of baseball in them as their dads were still playing as they were growing up. Was that the same for you and your brother, Scott? Uh, I would say a little bit of both. You know, I think the biggest thing for me is listening to my grandfather and my father tell stories at the dinner table. You know, I think that was uh, a unique thing as a, you know, a 7, 8, 10-year-old kid, 12-year-old kid, listening to their experiences. My grandfather talking about Double Duty Radcliffe, Satchel Paige, Josh Gibson, you know, all those great Negro League players. Talk about Minnie Minoso and his experiences in the big league. So, uh, that kind of motivated me saying, man, that just sounds so cool. I want to be able to have those type of stories. In order to do that, I got to play baseball and I got to play at the highest level. So, you know, I think both those men, my father and my grandfather, had a tremendous influence on me, you know, listening to those stories. So in high school, you're a two-time All-State selection at Naperville North High School in baseball, All-Area selection in basketball. I have to imagine that it's challenging for a coach to have a former professional baseball player's son on their team. 
What were some of the things you learned from baseball coach Carl Hunkler and basketball coach, who was also an assistant on the baseball team, in Mark Lindo? Two really good coaches. I still keep in touch with both of them today. Uh, coach Hunkler texted me about four or five days ago when he was getting ready to go on the golf course. They're both retired. Still have a great relationship with both of them. Coach Hunkler was a really good athlete in the state of Illinois, uh, was a great two-sport star in basketball and baseball, uh, and he carried that football mentality with him as a baseball coach. And he coached football as well, but I didn't play football. But you know, he had that mentality, hey, don't be denied. You know, Figure out a way to get it done. No excuses. So he's definitely like that old-school, blue-collar type of attitude. Uh, no excuses. And I love that type of approach. Coach Lindo uh, was uh, the assistant baseball coach, but he was my high school basketball coach. He's a guy, same type of guy, don't be denied. I don't want to hear it. Uh, he would kick you in the butt uh, figuratively uh, when you needed it, but he also encouraged you, too, when, when you also needed it. So uh, I love both guys. Uh, coach Lindo was something else <laughs> as a basketball coach. Uh, I remember me launching a three, and I hear, no, 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 in the back of my, my ear. And then when I go in, he goes, good shot. You know, so <laughs> I really enjoyed both those guys. We have great relationships with both. Actually, Coach Lindo uh, took me and uh, Nick Solak, uh, who's now the Texas Rangers. We both went to high school, the same high school, obviously years apart. Uh, Nick Solak, who hit a home run today for the Texas <laughs> Rangers, uh, he took us to, to dinner. Uh, right before spring training started this year, so it was great to see him and Nick. Nice. You drafted in the 42nd round of the 1995 Major League Draft by the Baltimore Orioles. You choose to go instead to college. You played your college ball at Southern Illinois University. What were some of the other college offers you had, and what made Southern Illinois so attractive to you? Well, I, I could have gone to Nebraska. I remember, uh, I want to say it was uh, Saunders was the head coach there, could have gone to Nebraska. I just remember it being so cold, you know, and, and I kind of was like, man, I don't know if I really want to go that far away to somewhere cold. I had opportunities to go down south. I know my grandfather had some uh, connections at, at Alabama, uh, but Southern Illinois was there from day one. Coach Dan Callahan and uh, Hendu, both those guys, reached out to me very, very early, and they were consistent and persistent. Uh, wanted me to go there. Then I had a couple buddies who were all state with me. We played on a couple teams, Joe Schley and Jason Frazier, who also pitched in the big leagues. Uh, Frazier uh, was going to Southern Illinois. So those two guys convinced me to head down with them and start something pretty new. And I'm glad I did because I had a great experience at Southern Illinois. Got a chance to play right, right away, which is very important. A lot of kids you know, sometimes want to go to that huge school and with that big name. The most important thing is reps. Get as much reps as you can um, and, and, and get your game ready. You know, get your game right. Uh, so that's one of the reasons why I went to Illinois. I knew I'd play right away. Another way of getting your game right is you play two years in one of my favorite leagues ever, and it's in the Cape Cod League. You get to play for Don Reed, and a lot of people don't really know his name, but he, he's a guy who managed for 13 years on the Cape, uh, making the playoffs all 13 years as a manager. His 334 wins puts him second behind John Schiffner as the Cape's all-time winningest manager. Uh, what made Don such a good manager at that level? That's a very interesting you know, dynamic there because you have, you know, 
most of the players there, all of the players there, are the you know, the best college kids in the nation that get together in the summer to play. And it, you don't have a lot of time to get the cohesiveness, but yet 13 years this guy makes the playoffs. He's got to be some special coach. Well, there's a reason why he made the playoffs every year because he knows what he's doing. <laughs> he knows he's a baseball guy. And that's one thing that we knew right away. He knew exactly what he was doing, um, and he understood his players. He had a son. When I was there, his son was currently in the major leagues. So you knew that, uh, you know, he must know what he's talking about because he has a son in the big leagues, you know. Uh, so he, he was a teacher, and he understood that, hey, it's about developing the players. If I develop the players the right way and help them execute uh, certain situations, we, we increase our chances to win ball games. So he's an outstanding coach, and he was an outstanding coach for many, many years. So you're drafted in the 11th round now of the 1997 Major League Draft, once again by the Orioles. You make your way up the Orioles' farm system. You receive a September promotion to the Major Leagues in 1998. This is, this is what blows my mind. You join an Orioles team that has two of your dad's former teammates on it, as Harold Baines and Ozzie Guillen both played on the White Sox with your dad. Do you remember their reaction to seeing you walk into that clubhouse? I just missed Ozzie Guillen. That's, a, that's amazing. You're, I'll tell you what, you've done a, your homework. <laughs> I barely just missed Ozzie Guillen. Uh, but Harold Bain was there because Ozzie Guillen was there with the Orioles. Then I think he got released or he got traded, and then I quickly came back. Or excuse me, I quickly got called up to the Orioles. So I just missed Ozzie Guillen. He was on the Orioles roster that year. Uh, but I played with Harold Baines. Um, and I remember Harold Baines' reaction was like, man, I got the bat boy, because I would sometimes bat boy for the, for the White Sox when I was a kid. He's hitting behind me. Now, we played together. <laughs> I was September call up in 98, but I got a chance to play just about every day when I was up in 1999. A lot of those lineups, I would hit seventh, and Harold Baines would hit sixth. So uh, guys would get a, get, a, get a kick out of that, and they'd make fun of Harold Baines. You got the bat boy hitting behind you <laughs> with some protection. You know, and I remember I had a four-hit game one day, I had two doubles, and both times Harold Baines was on first, and I'm at second base, and he's standing giving me an ovation at third base. I'm like, don't be standing there clapping. You, you should have scored in that ball. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's, uh, it, it was definitely a, a great experience because Harold Baines was kind of one of my boyhood heroes. You know, he was one of, the, one of the best players to ever play, especially one of the best DHs to ever play the game. Now he's in the Hall of Fame. He had so many clutch hits for our teams. Uh, so many clutch hits throughout his career. So it was good to see him be a Hall of Famer, and he was a great teammate. And this is also what I love about baseball, those connections. So after seven productive seasons with the Orioles, your best year with them, in fact, you're traded. Uh, and interestingly yeah. enough, you're traded for another one of your dad's former teammates in Sammy Sosa. Were you yep. surprised by that trade, given that you were just coming off your best year as an Oriole? And it's, it's the organization that drafted you twice, and you've now, you're an Oriole, man. You know, that's who you are. Are you kind of yep. taken aback by that first trade? Well, this is a funny story as well. So I had heard some trade rumors because I, I came up as a shortstop second baseman, but I had just moved to, to center field, which actually I love playing center field. You know, Brian Roberts was up and coming, really good player, and he was playing second base. And I actually loved him playing second and me playing short. He would lead off, I would hit second, and I really made our team pretty good. You know what I'm saying? And I love that kind of dynamic we had one and two. Well, you know, I get a call from the, our GM say, hey, I know you're hearing the trade talk. We're not going to trade you. We have you playing center field uh, on opening day. I was like, perfect. I'll be an Oriole. Love that. 
about four or five days later, I get traded to Chicago. I was like, wait a minute, I thought I wasn't going to get traded. You know, I get traded for Sammy Sosa. Obviously, things happen, you know, in, in the big leagues uh, overnight. Things change. I understood that. Uh, so getting traded for Sammy Sosa, I, I run into Sammy a couple times uh, since retirement. I've told him, and I always tell him this, I had a better season than he did in 05. <laughs> the year after we were traded, I had a better year than he did. You know what I'm saying? So the trade worked out for both teams. So the first seven seasons, you're on one team. Over the next nine seasons, you play for eight teams. And of those eight teams, there's some pretty high-profile fi- managers as well, guys like Dusty Baker, Buck Showalter, Don Manningly, Davey Johnson, Joe Girardi. If you could take the best parts of all the managers you played for and make one super manager out of them, what would the best parts from each be? That is a really good question, and that's why I've been talking I've talked to a couple teams in the past about managing. I think that is probably the biggest advantage I would have if I were to pursue that as a, as a career being a manager is taking all those experiences from Buck Showalter. Buck, Buck Showalter's, uh, his ability, believe it or not, and I'll, I might get killed for this, managing a bullpen. He's done an outstanding job of managing a bullpen. He, did one, he, he really made one mistake, left Zach Britton in Toronto. <laughs> If you look back at, at his entire career as a manager, Brooke Showalter has done an incredible job managing his bullpen. Okay, and I noticed that, uh, how prepared he was with the pitching coach. Dusty Baker, overall, his pre- being prepared from week in, week out. What I mean by that is he already has his lineups ready to go weeks in advance just to make sure everybody has a chance to maybe get a rest, make sure it's bent bunch players have enough at bat so they can stay ready and stay fresh. He maps out uh, lineups a week to 10 days, and he lets players know, hey, coming up, you're going to play on Thursday, and you're going to play on Saturday. Okay, For me, that was perfect because he would tell me, hey, I need you to play second base on Thursday. On Saturday, you're going to be playing center field, and Sunday you might be playing some shortstop. Okay? He would let me know three or four days in advance, which is huge. His communication, him being prepared, he's probably the most prepared manager I ever played for. Bud Black, again, managing the bullpen, his personalness, he does an outstanding job communicating with his players, talking trash in the dugout, and he's funny. (laughs) Don Mattingly, his feistiness, he is a competitor, man. He wants to rip your throat out, and I love Donnie Baseball for that. He's prepared as well. I was so fortunate to play play under so many good managers. I know I'm missing a couple. And Joe Girardi was outstanding, too. Not only was he feisty, he made sure that all his players were prepared, too, from the pitching staff to, to his everyday players. He made sure he got his bench players some time, too, to make sure his veteran guys got some, uh, some needed rest. So, again, I was very fortunate uh, to play for some great managers. 2009-2010 had to be a pretty special time in your career. As in 2009, you represented Mexico at the World Baseball Classic alongside your brother, Scott. And in 2010, you get to play a full season together on the Padres. What were those experiences like getting to play with your brother? Something that we always dreamed about because we never got a chance to do that as kids because I was four years older than him. We never played on Little League team together. We didn't play high school ball together. Uh, So we always talked about having that opportunity to play together if it presented itself, we got to take advantage of it, and it did. I had a chance to play together with Team Mexico, represent uh, Team Mexico because my mother is from Mexico, uh, Sonora. Uh, we had a blast 
uh, playing for that team. Just a great group of guys. Uh, and then getting a chance to play together in San Diego. And you know, it's a, funny how they asked us, would you want your lockers to be next to each other? And we both said no. And the reason why is because we didn't want it to be about us. We wanted to make sure that we involved everybody, and we made sure that our lockers would be on the opposite ends, okay? And that way it's about the team. And then sometimes on the road our lockers will be next to each other because, you know, the Vision Clubhouse guy would, would, would take care of us. But at home we made sure our lockers were the exact opposite end. That way it wasn't about the brothers, it was about the team. And we were very successful that year. We won 90 games. And that whole team with Tony Green Jr., Will Venable, uh, Yorvi Torrealba, Gonzo, uh, Heath Bell, just a great group of guys, and I love playing for that team. Heath Bell's a a good friend of the show, and uh, I I got to stand in in, and take some swings against Heath at uh, Met Fantasy Camp. Not not something I want to do ever again. you also get in 2009 into your first career postseason game, and you get a hit in your first career postseason at bat. Later, scored the winning run in the 13 inning ALCS game on the way to winning a World Series. As a veteran of 11 years in the big at that point, how special was that first taste of the postseason and winning a World Series? Uh, it, it was ex- extremely special. You know, this is what kind of leader Derek Jeter is. So, uh, Derek knew I never played in the postseason, but he knew I was a veteran player. We take ground balls together. Um, you know, he'd take his ground balls, and then I would mix in with him towards the end of bat- batting practices. And he'd always let me know, "Hey, you're going to do something great for us in the postseason." Now, this is in August. This is in September. We're not even in the postseason yet. He would put that in my head: "You're going to do something great to help us win. Be ready. You're going to do something great to help us win." He would put that in my head, and then finally, I finally get an opportunity to have an at bat. And it was in the 13th inning. Before I walk up to the plate, before I walk up on deck, I see Derek. He looked at me. Hey, bro, your turn, Ralph. This is your turn, you know. And I walked up to the plate and said, you know, it ain't just me. You know what I'm saying? This is my grandfather. This is for my dad. They didn't, they didn't really have this type of opportunity I'm having now. So this was, I would say, this is a, a Hairston at bat. You know, so I was able to get a pitch up in the zone, uh, hit a line drive for a base hit, and then Melky made contact and scored the winning run. And we're up to 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 uh, O in the uh, two to zero in the, in the series. So definitely a special moment for us, uh, Yankee fans and Yankee players. Definitely a special moment for me. Yeah, Jerry, this is Ryan Sherman. As a Yankee fan, I can definitely confirm that we love hearing those stories. <laughs> I have a question. Um, I want to kind of juxtapose both Garrett Cole and CC Sabathia. So a lot has been made about both signings, right? How they were both you know set in stone to be the ace in the staff. So. Not Garrett Cole, but do you have any stories about CC Sabathia setting himself above and beyond as really an ace and a leader and someone who you could be like, no, this is this is our stopper, our guy. I'll tell you two stories. One is a kind of a funny one. So AJ Burnett, I believe it was AJ. Uh, he had found out that I had really good success against CC uh, Sabathia. I always hit him good. So he gave up one run. I think he gave up one home run. Remember that year in, in two thousand eight where he was so dominant from Milwaukee in that second half, he was like just yeah. off, off the charts. Before you guys signed in, in 09, he went nuts in the second half of the Brewers. He, I believe he gave up one home run, and that home run was to me. I hit him upper tank to Milwaukee. So A.J. finds out that, that I did that. He gets the video, and he puts it on a loop in our clubhouse. <laughs> and, and C.C. Sabathia, we all come in from, from BP, and he gets heated. Just get us in a, joke, in, a, in a joking way, obviously. Like, I, you take that, I, I don't want to see that. Take that down. So that was fun. 
you know, CC always, uh, you know, one of the best guys around, uh, could take a joke. But we knew CC Sabathia was that guy before he put on pinstripes. You know, there's a reason why the Yankees went out and spent all that money because they had faced him when he was at Cleveland. They saw what he did with Milwaukee. So it, it was around the league that CC Sabathia is that dude. You know what I'm saying? He's that guy to lead your staff. So when he took the hill, we knew we were confident we had an incredible chance to win. He would do anything to make sure he gets the six, seven, eight innings to give the ball to Mariano Rivera or at least give us a chance to win. So he's always been that guy, and there's no no secret throughout the league. And, and it's very fortunate that the Yankees were able to get him at the right time, and he was one of the leaders to, to lead us to, to a championship in the night. I got two more for you, Jerry. As someone who was fortunate enough to win a World Series and a former player, if you were a member of the 2017 L.A. Dodgers, what would you be feeling when you face the Astros, and how much respect would you have for Joe Kelly? I'll address the Joe Kelly uh, thing first. Um, Your respect level will go up. I think it has. You never want to see anybody hurt, ever, okay? But I think, you know, baseball players have policed themselves for over, what, 135, 140 years. They've done a pretty good job of that. And I don't think it should change. Um, but the Dodger players in 2017, uh, legacies were changed. Yep. You know, Clayton Kershaw's legacy was changed. Justin Turner's, mm-hmm. uh, Kenley Jansen, so many incredible players. Their legacies were changed because of the 2017 World Series. You know what? I will tell you, uh, they are upset, but they don't feel sorry for themselves. They know, hey, there's nothing they could do about that. they got to go out and put themselves in position this season to figure out a way to win that championship. Lastly, I know you are a huge Michael Jordan fan and historian, so a three-part question here. Why Jordan? And then have you ever spoken to some of the players from the 94 Barons baseball team or his manager, Terry Francona, about Michael's time as a baseball player? And lastly, what did you think of the last dance? Okay. I will say, I'll answer this question. My, my grandfather, Sam, was a coach for the Barons in 94. Uh, my oh, grandfather wow. I told did not me know that. that. Wow. Yes. My grandfather was a coach for the Barons in 94. My grandfather uh, had to drop out of school to support his uh, 12 uh, brothers and sisters because his dad got sick. Okay. My grandfather's probably the hardest working guy I've ever met, no-nonsense type of man. And he told me that Michael Jordan is the hardest worker he ever saw. Michael Jordan was all in on being a baseball player, getting to the big leagues. He overworked. He'd get to the ballpark around noon, would hit in the cage, go out, hit early, grab a snack, go hit the cage again, have batting practice, and then get a quick snack before game, get a couple flips before the game, then play the game. He would do that every single day, okay? And my grandfather said he was the hardest-working man he ever saw. My level of respect for Michael Jordan obviously increased because of my (laughs) grandfather. Guys, Kobe Bryant, incredible player. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, incredible player. LeBron James, incredible player. I got a chance to see Michael Jordan. There has never been an athlete that was more clutch ever in, in, in sports, at least in the past, you know, four decades, five decades. Never been an athlete more clutch, okay? This man has never choked. Given him a home field advantage, 
He was 27-0. and 0. Not one time did he choke, okay? Never was outplayed in the series. Even when they lost against the mighty Celtics, if they lost against another team, he never was outplayed. Kobe Bryant has been outplayed in the past. Even Kareem Abdul-Jabbar has been outplayed. LeBron James, we know, has been outplayed in certain series in the past, okay? Michael Jordan never was outplayed. Think about that for a second, man. Nobody dominated the game like Michael Jordan, period. And the last dance clearly showed that. It's a, it's a different era now. Different era now. You know, you have 20-year-olds doing load management. 20-year-olds, man. You know what I'm saying? Back in, when those guys play, I talk to James Worthy all the time. Those guys would get just tackled in the lane. No load management, man. They would play every single day, and they get punished in the lane. It's just a different era. So, uh, Michael Jordan, if you don't think he's the greatest basketball player to lace him up, I can't help you. Awesome. All right, Jerry, thanks so much for your time tonight. Where's the best place for people to keep up with you on social media these days? You can find me at the real Jay Hare on Twitter and Instagram. Great stuff. We really appreciate it, Jerry. Thanks for spending so much time with us tonight. Anytime.